Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all new, better than ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to DNF. I'm Jessica Smetana. He's Spencer Hall. Spencer, we're back. We are so back. Absolutely back. I am thrilled to start our second season of DNF. The first race of the 2023 F1 season, Bahrain, has already come and gone. Um, you'll notice that we're not doing this immediately after the race. It's one of the few things we will catch you up on in the way that we are going to be doing this show and covering F1 and talking about it uh, for this season. Jessica, my first question, though. Yes. How did you prepare in this offseason? How did you recover? Recovery is important for the yeah, athlete. Yeah, it's key. It's key. Uh, Spencer, I drank a lot of coffee. Mm -hmm. I changed my sleep schedule so I would be on the European clock. Uh, I, I get up every morning at 3 a.m. now, go to sleep around 4. So I'm pretty much ready to go. Um, Perfect. We, like you mentioned, will not be doing the show live after every race this season. We'll probably be putting episodes out on Monday and Tuesday. And so I've decided that in the spirit of becoming more of a, a European sports fan. I will also not be working on Fridays, uh, four day work weeks from now on. Yep. What, what, have, what have you been up to? Um, in order to prepare for the F1 season, I took the Fernando Alonso approach to things. I signed a new deal with somebody else. I immediately <laughs> went on a yacht, right? Yeah. I uh, performed low impact aerobics only mm -hmm. in order to prepare and didn't eat much. That's it. And you praised your boss's son a lot. As you should. Something else <laughs> we'll get to. Because I know, I know, like, uh, like we have so much to cover and so much to talk about. But I do want to go ahead and bookmark just ahead of time for anyone listening to this. We got to say nice things about the rich boy. We will. Yeah, we mm. will. So before we start talking about this weekend's race, I do want to ask you, an important question because Drive to Survive has become a major force in the world of entertainment mm -hmm. and Formula One. It has attracted millions of fans in North America, including myself, to Formula One. And it mm -hmm. came out on Netflix a little over two weeks ago. Yep. 
Did you watch any of it? Because I know that you would have really liked the first episode. I was on a vacation with children for one of those. So mm -hmm. I can actually plead innocent on that. But no, I'm tardy. I haven't watched it yet, Jessica. And in part, I feel like I don't have to. Because there's a limitation to Drive to Survive's business model that I think you and I and anyone who picked it up in season one are starting to bump into. Mm -hmm. We already know what happened. <laughs> mm, that's a good point. The thing that you would have liked from the first episode were sweeping scenes of Gunther Steiner and Mattia Benotto driving around the Italian countryside drinking wine. Yes. Uh, I would recommend you check that out. And mm -hmm. other than that, I think you're right. I think we kind of we kind of remember what happened last year. That's it. I mean, that is you're going to start seeing this because there are no original ideas and everybody will start to do their own series. You know, there's mm -hmm. one called Full Swing. That's about the PGA Tour. I wouldn't watch that with a gun to my head because, <laughs> um, yeah, golf is for I, naps. I say that I respectfully. I fully agree. We actually co-wrote a story once about uh, mm. the master's golf nap and the art of taking said nap. Um, you could skip full swing. It's It was not the most interesting show that I've ever watched. Uh, I also watched the Netflix uh break point i always mm -hmm. want to say point break it, i can't stop thinking point break you sure break point uh the tennis one I, if i had to rank them i'd say drive to survive first big gap point break little gap break point and then full swing like way at the bottom i think yeah yeah i so mm -hmm. in order to catch everybody up right if you've watched drive to survive cool great i love that okay i watched um, all of it for the record and i was fully entertained well, it's like 75% entertained, we'll say. Yeah. What what did they leave out? What what did they leave out? Like before uh, before so we get to the present, <laughs> what was the biggest thing that you said, I cannot believe as somebody who watched the whole season and paid attention at a micromanaging level to everything that happened? What what did they leave out? Okay, they left out a lot. So I actually spent 10 minutes on the Levitard show last week doing my ranking of all the things mm -hmm. they left out. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you what the biggest thing was because there were I think like six or seven really big things they left out but I thought that um they didn't really include anything about Max and and Checo getting in that argument at the end of the season they had just kind of a, a brief part of that they left out pretty much any of the things that would have made the FIA look bad I think like jewelry gate with Lewis Hamilton uh didn't see a whole lot on that didn't see anything about the missile strike that happened while the racers were in Saudi Arabia last year. Huh. There were a lot of things that they just, and to be fair to Netflix, their cameras aren't at every single race. From what I understand, they only yeah. go to certain races and, and have certain teams that they film uh, during those races. So they're not everywhere. They don't have, you know, live cameras and mics following every mm -hmm. single player. Um, I would say the biggest thing they left out, though, was Valtteri Botas. He was not in the season at all. So that's why I say 75% entertained, because we needed that guy. He's one of our favorites. He was on our show last season, Spencer. Um, they just didn't include him. They, Lance Stroll was not in the season. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Vettel, barely in the season. Mike Crack good, good. was gone. By, by the way. I haven't seen Mike Crack in years. Good, good for him for Vettel. If you're in your last season as a former drivers champion in your final retirement tour of F1, and they say, "Hey, we'd like to follow you around with a camera, and you need to shave." Not that the producers demand that. I'm just saying Sebastian Vettel didn't shave a whole lot because, you know, you cross a certain age and you just go, "Ah, it's not worth it." Yeah. Um, 
that is exactly what he did. He was he just declined. It's like, yeah. no, that's too much. Well, you know, Max Verstappen was actually back because he did not get interviewed for Drive to Survive in season four and came back in season five. And they were like, welcome back. And he was like, oh, like, good to see you guys. They, they played it off, even though obviously there was like underlying animosity. Red Bull famously did a, a brief protest of Sky Sports mm -hmm. last year uh, because they were unhappy with with Ted Kravitz saying that. Uh, Lewis Hamilton was cheated out of the 2021 title. So there's a lot of, of weirdness happening with Red Bull. Uh, we'll probably get to all of that. Our favorite American driver, Daniel Ricciardo, is now part of their team, which I think mm -hmm. has upped their likability factor significantly. So great PR move by Christian Horner. But to say that they left some things out would be yeah. probably an understatement. But eh, if you like Formula One, it's still... I got to watch... Charles, Carlos, and Lando play paddle. So that was yeah. worth it for me. And that's the that's the thing. You know, I can complain about the limitations of the business model all you like and of the way it works. I'm now going to go watch episode one just so I can watch <laughs> Mattia and Gunther enjoying their little European holiday where they discuss yeah. like, you know, ah, the joys of fatherhood, the sorrows of time passing, the wine in the glass. One other thing, I didn't realize Gunther Steiner lived in like a suburb of Charlotte. Like he's got yeah. a lot of neighbors. He's they show his house and he's got he lives on a really nice looking lake and he looks like he has a wonderful little North Carolina life, but imagine being his neighbor and just seeing him walking his dog down the the sidewalk. I don't know how I would react to that. That yeah. seems like seeing a fish out of water. And uh, you know what? I bet man, I, I bet he's got himself his favorite Hardee's. I bet he's I bet he's what's, got a what's good... his cook. What's his cookout order? Correct. What is he ordering Thank at cookout? You. I need to know what he orders at cookout. Not the cheer wine. It's very fattening. <laughs> it's very fattening. Uh, quesadillas only. Yeah. Part of an F1 fan. Part of F1 fandom, by the way, if you're a big ignorant American, is just getting to make dumb accents, which is yes, great because typically sure. that means if you're a European F1 fan, you'll give me a hilariously bad American accent in return. Occasionally a shockingly good one, but but mm -hmm. generally not. I think they gravitate toward the California accent. That's my favorite, you know? Yes. Four, the 405. What What did you make of the rest of the midfield in this race before we talk about the, the, the major, major, major story of the weekend, which is the guy who came in third place? Yeah, I know anyone listening to this is screaming because they're like, Red Bull finished like nine minutes ahead of everyone. Talk yeah, about whatever. how awesome they are. That's we not are. why we watch F1. We are. We don't watch, we don't watch F1 to watch the like Schumacher grade brilliant talent finished 30 seconds ahead of everyone okay we're here for the struggle up yeah. and down the roster and to me what the fascinating thing was in that mid-pack the smaller teams that may have changes in this offseason added up like they added up fast okay and aston martin being the greatest example of classing up by hiring a driver and moving a couple of things around and sticking to the plan but williams williams because remember williams made a change this offseason too their new team principal, that's James. As in, it's J it's it's James Valtteri fame. James Falls from uh, Mercedes, their their former uh, race manager. This is the guy that that they've got on now as their chief uh, principal, team principal. And obviously, James was able to shift a couple of things around to get Williams way higher profile and a better start than they've had in a really long time. Another team that made changes where it added up dramatically. And this is shocking because we want to talk about the mid-tier, right? Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. They were not mid-tier in this race. Aston Martin 
Yeah. Aston Martin with a combination of sticking with Mike Crack, sticking with the plan, mm -hmm. and then hiring a driver who, and, and I think this is part of the plan. When you have smaller teams like this, it's fascinating to me. And, and I know you've, all, you've probably experienced this at work. If you have a small team and you decide to make a change, you can see dramatic change pretty quickly. Yeah. Right? It happens quickly mm -hmm. and then it levels off. Bigger teams, if you got a bigger team, you can move mountains. It just takes a while for that to happen. The teams that are smaller and made these little changes, right? You know, substantial changes in their own organization, but on the Mercedes scale, relatively small ones given the number of people working on those teams. Teams like Aston Martin and Williams that made those kind of decisive changes paid off fast. And I love Aston because they decided to be competitive in the race, right? Not just in terms of making technical gains, like saying, okay, we think we have a pretty good package. But we're going to put a driver who is a genuine difference maker, even at the age of 41. Did you hear in the race? God, it's my favorite part of the Bahrain race. Like, not a really memorable, momentous race. It was essentially a test run for Red Bull that was accompanied by a race behind it for everybody else. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, like, they basically got to run Q4. Right? Yes. They got to run a Q4 quali in a race that far ahead of everyone else. Checo and Max, not in that order, were outstanding and that far ahead of everyone. But that's not the thing I love. I love in the middle of the race, Fernando Alonso, I believe, is running fifth at the time, up from sixth. He was running and he said, what's going on with their tires? What's going on with Sainz's tires? Wait, what, what are they looking like? He was racing against everyone else. Yeah. He was scouting them mid-race saying, mm, yeah. we could probably pick that up. He had a really good race. And... It's interesting because Lance Stroll, so Lance Stroll came into this weekend with like major wrist injuries and a broken big toe from a bike accident. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you saw the video of him getting lifted out of his car during qualifying. It looked like he, you know, was in a lot of pain. And even he finished, I think uh, he ended up finishing seven or sorry, sixth in the race. So Alonzo proving that he's a phenomenal racer in a really good car was able to overtake signs for third place, was able to overtake uh, Hamilton. Yes, but Stroll, even Stroll, who does not have the overtaking chops and the years of technical experience and racing experience that Alonso had, he finished very high up with injuries that I think were impacting the way he was driving, certainly looked like it was impacting him during qualifying and practice. So this is not a aberration for Aston Martin. This was not a good driver getting lucky with Charles Leclerc's uh, retirement and getting on the podium. This looks like they've actually made humongous strides with their car in the offseason. It remains to be seen how long they will stay ahead of the rest of the pack because obviously really good teams will get better throughout the year. Mm -hmm. um, Good-ish teams may not if you know Mercedes decides they're scrapping this car entirely and they're not going to put any more <laughs> upgrades mm -hmm. into it, which was kind of the messaging they were giving this weekend. Um, this could be a really interesting season where Alonso gets championship points for Max Verstappen. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if that means Verstappen won't win a championship again for the third year in a row because it certainly looks like they are unstoppable. But I think it's going to be really interesting to watch both of those drivers in the Aston Martin. The other thing that happened with Alonso that was really fascinating was, yes, we, we mentioned that he's been gassing up Lance Stroll a lot, which is smart to do when his father owns the team that you race for. Mm -hmm. um, he also got a, a little love tap from Lance Stroll on that the first correct. lap that uh, his uh, race control people did not really want to reveal to him while he was still <laughs> racing. 
um, which was an interesting move. And then he appeared to find out about it in that little room after he was uh, came in third place when he's in the room watching the replay. Mm-hmm. And he, maybe he had already figured out it was Lance Stroll. Maybe mm-hmm. someone had told him. Maybe not. But he played that phenomenally. No reaction on his face. Uh, Crofty was still, you know, doing his his broadcasting at that time, and was mm-hmm. like, "Let's let's wait and see how he reacts." He didn't react at all. So I think mentally, uh, completely fit for the challenge of trying to deal with all the politics of racing against your boss's son uh, when you're both. Lance Stroll is a good driver. Like he's he's got he's okay. Yeah. He's not he's as far as all of the drivers whose parents pay for their seats go. He is not a bad. He's not bad. Top flight, like yes. like like that is the thing. You have to hold these two thoughts in your head at once. One, Lance Stroll had a seat, in effect, purchased for him at Aston Martin. Two, he's more than capable of holding it down. Yeah. And, and and like top ten's not an accident. When people say, oh, you know, you're like when people at any point in Lance Stroll's history, and myself included at times, say, okay, you have to. You know, like, you have to remember that this guy had a seat bought for him. He has to belong there. You can't be Nikita Mazepin. You can't sit in P20 and continue to occupy that seat without serious, obvious repercussions. He runs in the top 10. He's an excellent driver. He's also clearly the number two this year to Fernando Alonso because I don't think there's anybody who could compete on track in a combative driver takeover type situation like Fernando Alonso. He's a master. He's an absolute master. Checo and Verstappen are probably the only guys who could compare in terms of like a one-on-one ability to duel through a corner. Alonso passed at spots on the track yesterday that other drivers would have shuddered at the Mm -hmm. thought of attempting an overtake on. Uh, He was the only interesting thing on the track in a race where there was very little of actual on-track interest. And he got hit by Lance Stroll and after the race called him a hero, which is why Lance Stroll (laughs) should hit him every race. He should hit him every single race at this point because if this is what they've got going on, it's a dream season for Aston Martin. Even if Aston Martin ends up finishing like third or fourth, I mean, third would be incredible. Fourth fourth or fifth. That is such a massive improvement from last year. Um, And it seems like they they actually have race pace. And it seems Mm -hmm. like teams like McLaren... They didn't figure it out over the offseason. They're going to struggle. They had major issues with uh, Oscar Piastri had an electrical error in his car. Lando Norris had to pit like five or six times because he had a pressure leak. Uh, So there were major, major red flags for them. And it seems like their fans are starting to get really unhappy. It seems like Lando Norris is starting to get really unhappy. Mm -hmm. Um, So this could be a really interesting race for, for that midfield, the top of the midfield, I think. Um, but we should mention there is an actual American born driver mm-hmm. on the grid this season. Mm-hmm. What did you make of Logan Sargent, uh, racing for Williams this weekend? Yeah. Like, um, let's go ahead. Like if we're going to talk about Bahrain. Let's talk about Bahrain. Let's go ahead and start with, of course, the number one America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we are both unfortunately in America right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're riding, riding so hard for Logan Sargent, uh, <laughs> Who had a quality race in terms of, you know, your first F1 race, right? Um, Williams, on the whole, performed better than I think anybody expected. I think in part that's because there were a couple of teams 
that uh, <coughs> McLaren, who didn't really uh, live up to even their lowest expectations yeah. coming out of it. But like Logan Sargent, first of all, you didn't crash. Good job. That That's an expectation. You finished P12 overall, ran competitively. Um, congratulations to him. Congratulations to Alexander Albon, who Alexander Albon on the day had, I think, the best, like the best, because I believe it was Albon who started at the back of the pack due to a penalty, P20. Is that correct? Um, yeah, but he started at the back of the pack and ended up finishing in 10th. In case that, in case you're just already a blasé kind of F1 fan in year two, let me go ahead and repeat that for you, okay? Williams got points in race one. It, it got race from P20 <laughs> to P10 and got points in race one. Williams, like this is when you wake up and you work out and get your laundry done before 9 a.m. Like, congratulations. The rest of the season... The rest of the season is just building on that single point in race one. I love it. I think I think you have to start out really poorly in Formula One unless you're... Okay, actually, let's go back to last year. Red Bull, mm -hmm. two DNFs in the first race of the season in Bahrain. And then from there, they just went straight up and they won the championship, uh, both championships, very comfortably. I think there is something to be said for tanking out in your first weekend and then who knows? I, maybe Oscar Piastri will win. He won't. But I think start off the expectations really low. So this is really mm -hmm. maybe bad for for Williams. But if we're gonna start talking about the the rookies on the grid this season, maybe Oscar Piastri had the the biggest uh, off season or silly season storyline mm -hmm. with the leaving Alpine's you know drivers academy and after they had invested lots of money in him yep. and time in him and going to mclaren um alpine has probably a better car this year just based off of what mclaren's team has said about where mm -hmm. where they're at so if you're a mclaren fan um things may not turn around very quickly for you uh and daniel ricardo is probably smiling from the red bull paddock but um we should also talk about ferrari because Carlos Sainz had a really good race. Charles Leclerc, not so much. But the Ferrari seems to be... The, the issues that they had this weekend were not issues in race strategy, in human error, or anything like that. It was car reliability. Charles Leclerc lost power 40 laps in. Um, he was very, very upset. He was cruising to third place. Like the, They're uh -huh. not as fast as the Red Bulls, but they're are very, very fast and quicker than the rest of the pack when they're not having these sorts of issues. So is this more of the same from Ferrari this season? Are they going to be able to take more points from Red Bull because there won't be as many major tire pit screw-ups? What do you think? I mean, through lap 40, they looked like they'd fix these problems. And it's very... I want to resist the easy urge because, you know, what I want to do is I want to say, oh, they're cursed. That's it. Curse is back. That was a bad, that was a mechanical failure. It seems yeah. to me that systematically they have fixed at least some things or those issues haven't come up yet. Could be one or the other. But mechanical failures, if you remember, were also an issue for Ferrari last season. So yeah. I, it's very hard for me to say you're not in the same spot. And that, by the way, that doesn't mean that like that's not where they're going to end up. They're just a big race team that's made a lot of different changes internally over the mm -hmm. course of the season. 
it might take a while before you see those show up, right? Remember we talked yeah. about small teams making changes. Those show up really quickly. Big teams make changes. It takes longer for that to show up. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that that's the case with both Ferrari and Mercedes. Mercedes, they're a little more theatrical about it. Um, Very theatrical, yes. From the top. For, like from the top. Fred Vassar is not going to come out like Toto did and say like, it's total. We need to do total redo. We, like that's Toto. Toto in comparison came out and was like yeah we gotta start over y'all like yeah. <laughs> in race one that they just yeah. that they just that the car's not there is not competitive setting expectations is one thing but waving at least half a white flag yeah. in race one not a total surrender but an honest assessment of a situation that he doesn't think he said about this race and i quote there was not a single positive thing we can take from this race. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I think that's, you know, I don't want to speak for Toto. It wasn't, it, it could have been worse. There were teams that had worse times than Mercedes, but Mercedes wants to be at the pace that Red Bull is at. And they are yeah. so far off of that. It seems like they might've fixed the porpoising. There was not really any of that going on. Um, mm. Hamilton finished in fifth place. He was you know, at one point looked like he could end up in, in fourth, but fell behind. I'll be, I mean, Aston Martin being this good is really going to hurt Mercedes, I think, more than any other team because mm -hmm. Mercedes is solidly in third behind Ferrari and Red Bull from what we know at the end of last season. And then Aston Martin kind of comes out of nowhere and looks like they're faster than the Mercedes and maybe even the Ferraris. So I don't know. I think they're right there uh, in terms of everything else except the speed but there were i think during qualifying uh, hamilton was only a little bit off of verstappen's top speed it, they they were not far back but then of course when you put that into a race um and you're running the car for 70 laps it changes and the red bulls don't look like they're going to be caught up with by anyone else in the field so that, again that's not why we're watching this season i think last year verstappen by you know the fifth or sixth race appeared to be the runaway champion. And there were still a lot of interesting and fun things that happened that we got to talk about and laugh at. So if you are feeling disheartened by the results of this weekend with the one, two finish by Red Bull, um, hang in there because mm -hmm. you never know what's going to happen with everyone else. And I think those are the more interesting storylines when, you know, we've got a, a season where it seems like one constructor is head and shoulders above the rest. It is amazing how wrong they got that car. Like, yeah. the, like the zero pod, the zero pod failed. Like there's really no way of getting around that. They're not, we're not, and this is the most galling thing. And do, do you recall what engine Aston Martin uses? Uh, Aston Martin, I believe at this part, okay? I believe, and I will fact check. I believe they're using a Mercedes engine. Yeah, I believe they are using a Mercedes power unit at this point that that's galling because right now it's not like and toto said this himself aston martin has the second fastest car it's not like mercedes is trying to catch up to red Bull. right that's right. not even the goal anymore they backslid somebody with their power plant somebody with their engine is ahead of them that's how bad the zero pod design failed that's how bad they missed and i know that's like that's engineers like they're just looking at it going the math should work like that's 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 what engineers do engineers are like 
No, but in Arrow, it says this. You know, we see this. And they missed on two different dimensions. Like, we used to think it was just the porpoising. No, they missed, like, on the back end, they missed on several different levels there with two of the greatest drivers in the world. You know, I th we knew that about Lewis. He's great. He's the greatest of all time. We found that out last season with George, that he's more than capable. With George, by the way, bucking up. George, <laughs> George, George saying, oh, Lewis is lacking pace. That's interesting. I could pass him. Hmm. 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 That's, yeah. You might want to let me by. We're so close. To, we're so close to the full heel turn. So uh, close. I mean, it's it started to happen last year. Lewis is, uh, he was interviewed before the race uh, by Sky Sports and said that he wants to race until he win his, wins his eighth championship. So we have an opportunity mm -hmm. to see a old man sitting in a car racing. Oh, well, we already do. It's we already have <laughs> And he's awesome. And he's, uh, you know, I, it's interesting too, because Fernando Alonso, I think is someone who uh, describes himself as being one of the bad guys. Like he considers himself a villain a little bit. Um, but fans seem to really enjoy him in this stage of his career and want him to succeed that probably did not want to watch him succeed like 10 years ago. He's had a really interesting kind of, um, I, I like the reaction from fans, I think has been really interesting with him, especially over the last week. It seems like people would go crazy for him to be on podiums with Aston Martin. Whereas, you know, I think his, his last podium before this weekend was in 2021. And I think before that he hadn't been on one in like seven or eight years. He had yeah. kind of just been languishing away, um, not, you know, scoring points, racing, being a personality in F1, but not really winning anything. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something about being older, being a familiar face and being in a stage of your career where you don't really have anything to lose that people want to root for with him. And it's very, very funny and interesting to see. Let's remind everybody, Lewis <laughs> Hamilton's contract is up after the 2023 season. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And he, considering that he wants to race until uh, he wins his eighth title, might be some interesting contractual negotiations. A little bit of uh, an interesting fishing season. Here's a question. What's, mm -hmm. What is stopping Mercedes from just cheating, going over the cost cap, putting a bajillion dollars into a car for one season, getting Lewis a title, and then he retires and they're like, oh, we'll take whatever stupid penalty we get because Red Bull like barely got a penalty for going over last year. How far over are we talking, Jessica? Like uh, how... Let's let's go crazy. Let's say like five mil. Five mil? Yeah. Like let's say they make like an extra car. <laughs> <laughs> they they build a second concept just to have waiting in the wings once they decide they're not gonna win with this one. Genius. And they're like, you know what? No one's gonna notice for like a year. Lewis will be gone. We'll take what, what penalty we get. Sorry, George. This is for Lewis. If What's I'm, stopping him? You know? If is I'm, this how evil geniuses think? Maybe. If I'm Christian Horner. I sell Mercedes one of my cars for like a hundred million dollars, and then I snitch on him. And That's you protect. Ooh, I like this. Yeah, and then is I there, snitch. Is there precedent for this? Um, has, has anyone ever pretended to be like a a car F one used car dealer, 
And then I think I, for, I think Ferrari got in trouble for something similar to that <laughs> to the tune of several hundred million. Yeah. So when you think about that, also remember, F1 is the only sport I know of where they have actually said you're going to have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars for cheating. Yeah. That's happened. So would Christian Horner do this? No, no sane person would. I'm going to repeat my question. Would Christian Horner Same do this? Person. Same I see what person. I see what you're doing here. That's my I conspiracy. Know. I think we can make we can make it get interesting. Just you can see it under the spray paint, right? It's like got like Mercedes over the Red Bull logo, right? Like, <laughs> just, just, just spray paint it black. Yeah. Just got Patronus, right? Like that that has actually been I don't know if you saw this meme going around making fun of McLaren, but they were able to figure out a way to get rotating sponsorships on their car this season. Um which is seems very innovative and interesting, and yet like their car wasn't very good this weekend, and there have been lots of memes to be made about that. I think it's re- very interesting um, to see which teams like Mercedes, like they've gone back to the all black. Williams, I think last year was trying to race with as little paint as possible just to get like a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of advantage that way. I think um, if they were to spray paint a Red Bull black, it probably would be too heavy and we would notice but mm-hmm. i don't know there are a lot of really fantastic artists in in europe that i think could get the job done so i don't know who's to say do you want to do questions like i feel like we've discussed questions. i feel like we've discussed everything we can discuss out of a relatively like an opener which i think was uh, a nice warm-up but not necessarily the most thrilling i don't know i might no, have pulled it- i might have pulled something if we had like an absolute chaos classic coming out of the it, no i you're you're right it was not the most interesting race um we are very excited for the season to be back and there's certainly so many other things happening we haven't even really talked about all of the off-season uh happenings between the fia and formula one i think we'll probably save that for a later episode because they had a very contentious off-season as well spencer um mm-hmm. if you have been following any of that but we will get to that at a later date. We'll probably talk more Drive to Survive at a later date. But in the meantime, if you have questions for us for the show at any point, tweet them at Spencer at EDSBS or at me, Jessica underscore Smetana on Twitter or tweet them at Doug. Um, Doug's Twitter handle is, let me pull it up. <laughs> D-R-E-Y-E-S-C-E-R-O-N. Just ask Doug. He actually knows more than either of us. Yeah, so, just yeah. ask Doug. He'll answer, and then we'll answer wrongly on the show. Yeah, or we'll just read his and be like, great call, Jessica. <laughs> I like that. So we have a couple questions for this episode, Spencer. Where do you want to start? I want to start with this. It's from So Let's Say. If Aston is for real this year, who does that hurt most, and why is it Mercedes? I, I think mm-hmm. the it's Mercedes alone because it takes them down a class. That's what we're looking at here. If you missed on the car, that doesn't put you number two or three to Red Bull or Ferrari. That's putting you at four. Yeah. Which, considering the heights that that team once occupied, it's damning. I think it's also infuriating because Mercedes knew they had a problem before uh, even the first quarter of last season was, was finished after the new regulation set. Um, so they've had a lot of time to work on this concept and to make this car. And Aston Martin clearly has gotten something right and mm-hmm. Mercedes has not. And I think it's probably very infuriating if you're Lewis Hamilton to see another team make 
better strides than your yep. team, which has had a championship car for the last decade and has more resources, better resources, just insane levels of experience and uh, great technical workers, engineers, all of those things. So that is probably frustrating psychologically from a racing perspective. Yeah. And I think it's probably also not great for Alpine. I mean, no, if, you know, they get pushed back now to like fifth or sixth in the pack. That is also not going to be great when they were battling for fourth last season. It's it's disastrous for them because all of the progress that they have will be eclipsed by a five foot four Spanish man of middle age and truculent yeah. uh, personality. Mm-hmm. That of that of. <laughs> Fernando Alonso. I'm just going to keep coming back. The Alonso thing is hilarious to me. No, it is really funny. I mean, he said bye bye. It's hilarious. Did you see? He said bye bye when he passed during the race. I believe to Carlos Sainz. He put his head bye bye on the radio. It's it's so mean to do that to Carlos because Carlos grew up watching him and was like, oh, he's my childhood icon. He was like, bye, sucker. (laughs) Your car is slow as shit. That's the best. Is it like, yeah, try to keep up with the old man, Junior. Like that's yeah. <laughs> that's the dad who never lets you win anything, you know? Yeah. Oh, God, that's my dad. Perfect. That's good parenting. <laughs> uh, do you think the FIA started picking on Ocon for fun at yes. a certain point? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was – okay, so Spencer, tell us what happened with us about Ocon during the race because that was absolutely hysterical as well. Ocon was penalized for lining up incorrectly on the grid. You have to park yes. within your little, you know, Box R thing. or G-shaped yeah. little Which, brackets. I, I don't know how incorrectly he was lined up. I haven't seen Not by it. much. It seems like it was a pretty nitpicky little penalty for that. How, how's this? They could have penalized him, and I believe that there are drivers who have lined up just like that and have not gotten penalized. Right. right? So for, for any of you snitches, law and order types... Share uh, amateur sheriffs, um, unpaid police officers out there who were like, "Yeah, but he was over the line." Yeah, he was. He was. But this spirit, is like the people that letter. call in. This is the people that call in like golf penalties or whatever. Remember yeah. that ha- has happened before. People call in. They're yes. like, "Hey, I, that was an incorrect lie." Those people should go to jail on TV. Yeah, yeah. that's the worst. Ironically, so, so what happened after he tried to serve his penalty for lining up incorrectly? He served it incorrectly, Jessica. And then was penalized again for incorrectly serving the penalty. And then at that point, Esteban Ocon's brain broke. And he was pretty much just like, yeah. Like at one point I was watching it. I'm like, just retire. Just like you're having just, a yeah. <laughs> Right. So after he Rage served the penalty quit. incorrectly for lining up incorrectly, he got another penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Correct. So that was three penalties. It tied a record for the most penalties in a race. Mm -hmm. This is something that we started seeing more of last season. People getting, you know, called out for exceeding track limits, especially was happening a lot. Um, And lap times are being erased and things like that. Um, So there has been this re-emphasis on following some of these rules. I'm not exactly sure why or where it's coming from because Speeding in the pit lane, yeah, that's a safety thing. Lining up incorrectly, sure, I guess you could get a slight competitive competitive advantage if you're like a foot in front of where you're supposed to be. Yeah. But that one seems a little bit more like maybe it's a warning and not a five-second penalty. Um, and then, yeah, when you're serving the penalty, you can't have anyone working on your car. You have to just sit still in your 
in the pit lane for five full seconds. Uh, I could see how you might screw that up. It seems like something that a team should maybe practice because it is a very, very, very silly I mean, thing to get wrong. <laughs> uh, with all the things that you have going, is practicing where you're going to line up and doing, you know, what is it, 40 miles an hour out of yeah. the pit lane. Those aren't things that, those are things you might practice when you're in karting. You don't practice when you're at F1. So really, like, ultimately, this is on Ocon. Like, like I hate yeah, to but... say it. I hate, no, I mean, I hate to say it because I'm the person who would do this. Right. But you got to understand, if they're you on your ass, they're going to stay on your ass. So apparently he only exceeded the pit lane speed by 0.1 kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were on his ass. That's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> once, that's the They're thing. Just, you know what? Every every time, every year this happens in sports where you have to like make an example out of someone in the first mm-hmm. weekend. Like this yep. is how we're calling pass interference exactly this year in football. Is. This is what we're, this is a hold this year. Here's our this, points of emphasis. Yeah, th- exactly. This was it. So he ended up retiring after lap 41 with a mechanical issue. I would, I agree with you. I would have just retired out of like sheer frustration. Rage quit. Yeah. I would have. And totally that brings quit. me to another thing about Lando Norris. So he had to pit like, 15 times because they had to fill air in his engine every 10 laps. So I think he, I think he did actually pit five times. Um, They told him to keep racing because they were like, look, we don't have a lot of data on the car yet. We want to see what it does. You know, we want to monitor the car and the tires and all of that. How frustrating would it be to get called into the pit lane every friggin' 10 laps and then finish two laps slower than the race leader? At which point are you like, guys i'm not going back out there like please let me go cry in a corner (laughs) um i want to answer two questions at once here because i think we can knock these out um one is this it's from uh a lady vic lance stroll hot boy summer question and Mm -hmm. from jr struby who was the best lad in the bahrain gp i want to answer two questions at once because typically on DNF, we would do the best lad, and the best lad was uh, almost always George Russell, because George Russell mm-hmm. really is the best lad. I don't feel like we can award best lad for what happened in Bahrain. I feel like we need to adjust it ever so slightly. And by that, I mean uh, we need to pick Semek. We need to pick uh, that dude. We need to pick our first ever fella our best fella wow that's right lance stroll oh everyone heard all them jokes about the rich boy everyone said he couldn't do it everyone said it was paid for play he went out there with like one hand and one foot bad toes and all yeah yeah i went out there it's like demonstrated dominance by hitting his teammate and then pushing him to victory raising the bar for aston martin Grab a donut, get you some Timmy's. It's Canada Day here. Lance Stroll, you're the fella of the race. Notice, by the way, born in Montreal. I use the French version because we buy. I actually did. Here. I did not. I did not notice that. Yes, we use the French version. Was that in French? I, honestly, as soon as I hear that national anthem play, I just hear "Oh Canada" replayed like "Oh Canada." Oh Canada! Mm-hmm. Like they repeat "Oh Canada" the whole time. Well, may, may, may we, may we, may, may we share because we're bilingual. 
<laughs> you know, I'm not the one who does the F1 update on another show in an entirely different language. So. Hey, I did it one time. I barely can take credit for that. Yeah, um, but seriously, but seriously, Lance Stroll, let's let's yeah, just say nice. Let's I, say nice things about you, man. Gutty good performance. For him. Honestly, you know, he was in a lot of pain. He could have let Felipe Drogovic, who's a very good uh, reserve driver race for him that would have been a mistake do not let the reserve driver get in your car when it's the first weekend of your car being really really good and let him finish in seventh place and have Mm -hmm. everyone talk about should he replace you because he finished in seventh no stroll did it uh good for him little love tap on his teammate but they both got through it okay had that been a puncture or a uh bigger incident could have been one of the funniest races of all time it wasn't it was no. just a little bit funny because I, we I thought we were headed for disaster because you got a guy, Fernando Alonso, who at times has been um, a bit of a locker room issue, mm-hmm. a bit of a chemistry issue for certain teams. Definitely someone who looks after their own interest very well at all times, getting hit by the billionaire's son. And mm-hmm. at the end of the race, it finished with Alonso calling him his hero. <laughs> Spencer, do you, do, you have, do you have a boss? Because I'm trying to imagine if like, my boss's kid hit me with their car. <laughs> like what my reaction would be. <laughs> rage. Sheer yeah. rage. But it worked out. Yeah. It worked out, right? If John Skipper's son hit me with his car, yeah, I guess I'd have to hand it to him. I probably wouldn't say anything bad either. Just, uh, just uh, I'm trying to figure out what his name would be. What would Dan Levitard's hypothetical son be named? <laughs> um, Alpha Prime Levitard. <laughs> You know what, Stugatz? If Stugatz's daughter yeah. hit me with her car, I'd be like, you know, credit to you. You you probably were smoking a heater like your dad. So. You picked, yeah, you picked the right person. We need to talk about our favorite uh, race director again, Gunther mm-hmm. Steiner. Spencer, Mick Schumacher no longer is on the team. Nico mm-hmm. Hulkenberg has replaced him, a veteran driver yep. back on the grid. Um, Irish Outsider tweets, who does Gunther hate the most right now? Famously, he's hated at least one of his drivers at yes. some point during every season. So who is it? Is it Hulkenberg? Is it Magnuson? Is it someone else? I'm going to say it's Magnuson because he's the oldest. And therefore, he has the <laughs> least He has the least tape. And, and by that, I mean oldest. He has the most time on the Haas team. Yeah. And familiarity True. breeds contempt. So yes, that is he hasn't point. picked the reason to hate Nico yet. Mm-hmm. But he probably has things that irritate him about Kevin Magnuson. So the speech, we look like a bunch of fucking wankers, definitely mm-hmm. went toward K-Mag, especially because mm-hmm. Nico Hulkenberg was better in qualifying. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I think that that's true. Um, he had a really interesting episode, well, multiple episodes in Drive to Survive, where they did a lot of like, they showed Mick Schumacher struggling a lot, didn't really show any of the really like positive moments he had towards the end of the season with Haas. Mm -hmm. And to me, I want you to watch the episode and tell me what you think, because they had a lot of uh, phone recording shots of Gunther on the phone with Gene Haas being like, Gene, the car is broken in half. Uh, This is going to cost so much to replace, blah, blah, blah. It seemed like he was covering his tracks because they did not want to keep Schumacher and were trying to like lay the breadcrumbs to people watching a year later and be like, look, we tried everything we could. He's just a terrible driver. And yeah. Mick Schumacher was really good in the junior levels. So I'm not sure about that. But like you said, this year, two veteran drivers on the team, um, mm-hmm. they they will probably do better with that car than a young driver yep. would do with it. 
I think that is what history has shown us. Um, TBD, who Gunther Steiner will tell on his team that they don't deserve to eat dinner this season. But your money's on Magnuson. My money's on K-Mag, especially because, you know, Hulkenberg was like, what, P10 in qualifying? She yeah. Definitely showed some stuff. Then the race happened and race things and hostiness happened, right? Yes. Um, see, look, I, I think it's K-Mag because even your dog is like... <laughs> my dog's uh, like uh, i don't want to talk about haas anymore let me get out of here <laughs> right 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 so who's who's wearing on his nerves undoubtedly the guy he's already got yeah fair enough should we do one more question i feel like we got one more coming and i'm gonna go ahead and and take this and i think it's a good place to wrap up on because we've talked about all of these things that we say well here's how the season's gonna go this is from vt Myco. How would a lifelong NASCAR fan start my F1 journey? Drive Driver to love, hate, things to watch. Let's just review before we quit, okay? Before we sign off and say, great first week, glad to be back, excellent race by all. Watch the thing that catches your eye. That, to me, watch the story that catches your eye. Watch Drive to Survive, right? Go yeah. ahead. I'd watch the most recent season if you're coming on board. And understand that a lot of the things that you love about NASCAR and or any other sport are very much present here. We have interesting personalities. I maintain that the exclusive, relatively small number of seats is one of the things that makes this compelling. There's only 20 drivers. There's only 10 teams. You can only pay attention to so many people. Drive to Survive milked that nicely by focusing on who they could and showing that they were interesting people. Showing that they were generally people who were doing their best with some notable exceptions, and trying to just get through the season. So follow that. Watch Drive to Survive. Find you some quality F1 podcasts like us. DNF, obviously, but there's plenty of other ones out there. Um, and go ahead and just enjoy the brevity. One of the great things about this sport is that you can pay attention to it, but it doesn't take that much time. Yes. The the limited nature of the sport mm -hmm. I have realized over the last couple of years is one of the selling points. The races are two hours long on Sundays yep. and Max. there's only 23 of them, which is the most they've ever had, but ha less than half of your weekends in a year, yeah. which is wonderful. So I agree with Spencer. Also go on YouTube and just like look at old clips and stuff. There's yeah. always fun stuff on YouTube. Go look at like F1 crazy moment compilations. There's not that many of them that you'll see yeah. throughout the season. More races are like the Bahrain Grand Prix than like Silverstone last year. But uh, it's always fun to go look at those videos and, you know, figure out who different people are and look at all the different old cars. Yeah. Also watch Senna. If nothing yeah. Else, oh, such a good documentary. So no, good. Nothing else will explain to you the romance at the core of what we sometimes, you know, laugh at and sometimes make fun of and sometimes treat very lightly because there are a lot of silly things about the sport is a lot of money and it's a lot of people from a lot of different places without a whole lot to agree on other than speed and being rich and but if you want to cut through to the real romance at the core of this go watch senna it's not only one of the best documentaries i've ever seen it is the best racing documentary i have ever seen you're here. Well, should we wrap it up for today's episode of DNF? We'll be back after the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix for another episode. We're hoping to do more interviews this year, Spencer. Yep. More nuanced conversations, not so much just, you know, no live race reactions. No, no pressure. 
no pressure. We're going to have fun. Uh, hopefully people will stay tuned and listen throughout the season. And if you have any questions or anything you want to see us do this year, once again, tweet at us, Instagram, wherever you find us, send us a message um, or just send them all to Doug and he will respond. Yeah. Who knows? You might even see us at the Miami GP. I'm manifesting things, Jessica. I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah. You might even see us at the Monaco. You might even see us at the, at the Monaco GP. You might see us in Vegas. Might. What? If anyone, again, if we'll sleep in bathtubs. <laughs> That's totally fine. There's some very nice bathtubs that, yeah. you know, a couple of blankets and a pillow, and you got yourself a suite. I'll just, I'll stay in LA and drive in for the day. Might drive be cheaper. <laughs> the, the night. The night. Looking ahead. Remember, Vegas is going to be at 1030 local time. On a Saturday? On a Saturday, no less. Crazy. On a college football Saturday. So you could just watch football all day and Mm -hmm. just roll right in to two hours of race madness on the Vegas Strip. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. I was out there, by the way. Last note. I was out there. The paddock's real. It is going up. Wow. Oh, yeah. You got a a roof. Pictures of it. I want to see it. It's got a roof and everything. Um, it is definitely more than the parking lot Grand Prix. It's definitely a better setup than Miami. More than anything, it kind of reminds me of Baku. Like just Interesting. The, just the vibe. Just the vibe. The whole mm-hmm. like city in a desert with a bunch of there, like money yeah. kind of vibe. Um, Close also, walls, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, because they're only using, it's two, you know, Las Vegas Boulevard is two lanes. They are only using half of it. So... It is they should a, have to race through the water feature at the Bellagio. Agreed, right? Or at least take a turn, take a turn through a casino, right? Yes. Take a turn. I'm going to go ahead and nominate Caesars. <laughs> just feels like the natural match there. Feel, yeah, it does feel right. The cheaper one, but the cheaper one. Just in one last closing note, if you got to race through a casino there, just take it through Harris. Harris can't cost that much. You know, they'll, they'll pay you to do it. Yeah, there's there's a Casino Royale right there. You know, just knock out the Burger King for a couple of months. <laughs> put the track right through there. Past people playing like, you know, $2 tables. Yeah, that's what I'd like. I'm ready for it. Well, All I'm right. excited to embark on this season of F1 with you, Spencer. Likewise, Jessica. It's going to be fun. See you next time. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.